Midweek Motivation is a weekly episode featuring the wisdom and stories of host Tommy Cakes. This week, however, I will be completing the Midweek Motivation due to the seriousness of the topic and the story. In case you're new to Small Scale Life, I'm your normal host of Small Scale Life Podcast, Tom Dahmers. Well, I'm doing this episode by request from Daniel in Ohio. He's a Marine with time in Afghanistan under his belt. He asked me to read this story for midweek motivation, and after reading the article, I just had to move forward with it. In this day and age, we see a lot of people who are elevated to hero status for strange reasons and to fulfill agendas and narratives. But what does real sacrifice look like? Two Marines who gave all in defense of their band of brothers in Iraq in 2008 show us what real sacrifice is, even in this modern era. While you might not make the ultimate sacrifice for others, what can you do to help your family, neighbors, and community around you? So Daniel sent me this link to a story written by Jeffrey Ingersoll from the Business Insider, dated 2013. The title for this piece is, Everybody Should Read General John Kelly's Speech About Two Marines in the Path of a Truck Bomb. That's quite a title. As a dad to a combat veteran, this story hits home. My son could have been one of these young men when he was deployed to Afghanistan. I'm going to read selected portions of this story for you. Uh, Most of it is General Kelly's speech, and I'll provide a link to the original story in the show notes. Uh, One more note about this speech. It was, according to the writer, Jeffrey Ingersoll, John Kelly gave the speech just four days following the death of his own son in combat, And General Kelly eulogized these two other sons in an unforgettable manner. So from General Kelly's speech, again, this is dated in 2010. So two years ago, when I was commander of all U.S. and Iraqi forces, in fact, the 22nd of April 2008, two Marine infantry battalions, the 1-9, the Walking Dead, and the 2-8 were switching out in Ramadi. One battalion in the closing days of their deployment was going home very soon, the other just starting its seven-month combat tour. Two Marines, Corporal Jonathan Yale and Lance Corporal Jonathan Herter, 22 and 20 years old respectively, one from each battalion were assuming the watch together at the entrance gate of an outpost that contained a makeshift barracks housing 50 Marines. The same broken down ramshackle building was also home to 100 Iraqi police. Also, my men and our allies in the fight against the terrorists in Ramadi, a city that until recently the most dangerous city on the earth and owned by Al-Qaeda. They were from two completely different worlds. Had they not joined the Marines, they would never have met each other or understood that multiple Americas exist simultaneously depending on one's race, education level, economic status, and where you might have been born. But they were Marines, combat Marines, forged in the same crucible of Marine training. Because of this bond, they were brothers as close or closer than if they were born of the same woman. The mission orders they received from the sergeant squad leader, I'm sure, went something like this. Okay, you two clowns, stand this post and let no unauthorized personnel or vehicles pass. You clear? I'm sure Yale and Harder then rolled their eyes and said in unison something like, Yes, Sergeant, with just enough attitude that made the point without saying the words, No kidding, sweetheart, we know what we're doing. They then relieved the two other Marines on watch, took up their post at the entry control point of Joint Security Station Nasser in the Sophia section of Ramadi, El Anbar, Iraq. A few minutes later, a large blue truck turned down the alleyway perhaps 60 or 70 yards in length, and sped its way through the serpentine of concrete jersey wall. The truck stopped just short of where the two were posted and detonated, killing them both catastrophically. 
24 brick masonry houses were damaged or destroyed. A mosque 100 yards away collapsed. The truck's engine came to rest 200 yards away, knocking most of the house down before it stopped. Our explosive experts reckon the blast was made of 2,000 pounds of explosives. Two died, and because these two infantrymen didn't have it in their DNA to run from danger, they saved 150 of their Iraqi and American brothers-in-arms. When I read the situation report about the incident a few hours after it happened, I called the regimental commander for details as something about this struck me as different. Marines dying or being seriously wounded is commonplace in combat. We expect Marines, regardless of rank, MOS, to stand their ground and do their duty, and even die in the process, if that is what the mission takes. But this just seemed different. The regimental commander had just returned from the site, and he agreed, but reported that there were no American witnesses to the event, just Iraqi police. I figured if there was any chance of finding out what actually happened, and then to decorate the two Marines to acknowledge their bravery, I'd have to do it as a combat award that requires two eyewitnesses, and we figured the bureaucrats back in Washington would never buy Iraqi statements. If it had any chance at all, it had to come on the signature of a general officer. I traveled to Ramadi the next day and spoke individually to half-dozen Iraqi police, all of whom told the same story. The blue truck turned down into the alley and immediately sped up as it made its way through the serpentine. They all said, we knew immediately what was going on as soon as the two Marines began firing. The Iraqi police then related that some of them also fired, and then to a man, ran for safety just prior to the explosion. All survived. Many were injured, some seriously. One of the Iraqis elaborated with tears welling up, said they'd run like any normal man would to save his life. What he didn't know until then, he said, and what he learned at that very instant was that a Marines are not normal. Choking past emotion, he said, Sir, in the name of God, no sane man would have stood there and done what they did. No sane man. They saved us all. What we didn't know at the time, and only learned a couple of days later after I wrote a summary and submitted both Yale and Harder for posthumous Navy crosses, was that one of our security cameras, damaged initially in the blast, recorded some of the suicide attack. It happened exactly as Iraqis had described it. It took exactly six seconds from when the truck entered the alley until it detonated. You can watch the last seconds of, the, of their young lives. Putting myself in their heads, I suppose it took about a second for the two Marines to separately come to the same conclusion about what was going on once the truck came into their view at the far end of the alley. Exactly no time to talk it over or call the sergeant to ask what they should do. Only enough time to take half an instant and think about what the sergeant told them to do only a few minutes before. Let no unauthorized personnel or vehicles pass. The two Marines had about five seconds left to live. It took maybe another two seconds for them to present their weapons, take aim, and open up. By this time, the truck was halfway through the barriers and gaining speed the whole time. Here the recording shows a number of Iraqi police, some of them who had fired their AKs, now scattering like normal and rational men they were, some running right past the Marines. They had three seconds left to live. For about two seconds more, the recording shows the two Marines firing nonstop, the truck's windshield exploding into shards of glass as their rounds take it apart and tore it into the body of the son of a bitch who was trying to get past them to kill their brothers, American and Iraqi, bedded down in the barracks, totally unaware of the fact that their lives at that moment depended entirely on two Marines standing their ground. If they had been aware, they would have known they were safe because two Marines stood between them and a crazed suicide bomber. The recording shows a truck careening to a stop immediately in front of the two Marines. In all the instantaneous violence, Yale and Harder were never, never hesitated. By our reports and by the recording, they never stepped back. They never even started to step aside. 
They never even shifted their weight. They never shifted their weight. With their feet spread shoulder-width apart, they leaned into the danger, firing as fast as they could work their weapons. They had only one second to live. The truck explodes. The camera goes black. Two young men go to their god. Six seconds. Not enough time to think about their families, their country, their flag, or about their lives or their deaths. More than enough time for two very young men to do their duty into eternity. That's the kind of people who are watch all over the world tonight for you. Many of us will never find ourselves in a similar situation as Corporate Jonathan Yale or Lance Corporal Jordan Harder. These men gave the ultimate sacrifice for men they knew, some they did not know. So how can you apply the story to your own life? We live in a very fast-paced and isolated world. We're connected by apps and screens, but we really don't know each other. A lot of us don't even know who our neighbor is across the street, next door, across the field, down the alleyway. In our church, we go, we go to work, we do our work, we sit in the cube land, come home, eat dinner, watch some TV, go to bed, wash, rinse, repeat until we're dead. It's time to stop connecting on screens and start connecting in real life. We have to reach out. We have to meet face-to-face, and we have to develop these relationships. Help your friends and neighbors with a project, or invite them over to your house for dinner. Lend them some support and give them encouragement. Sometimes folks just need a smile and some time to talk. While you might not make the ultimate sacrifice to stop a truck bomb for your family, neighbors, and friends, you might be able to help them when times are tough or even when they aren't. And that is a Jack Spirko quote. So one thing we're trying to do here at Small Scale Life this year is get out and meet some folks. It's going to be a very busy summer. We've got a lot on our books. We've got a lot planned. But we're going to try to get out and meet. It was great to meet Scott Haas uh, at a recent cover crop workshop. It's great to meet him. I'm going to try to get out and meet some other folk. But we're going to try to get out and meet you. It's important. Get out and meet somebody in your neighborhood. Get out and meet your neighbors. Make friends. Shake a hand. Share a smile. Have them over for barbecue. It's important. We are just all individuals slogging along in this life. But if we can start building those relationships and building resilient communities, that is worth it. So think about that. You know, those two men gave the ultimate sacrifice for us, for their brothers. What can you do in your neighborhood, in your community? This is Tom from Small Scale Life. This is kind of a heavy topic. It wasn't as fun as some of the other uh, midweek motivations, but it's something I've been thinking a lot about, and it's something that we can all do. We can all plug in and pitch a hand and help each other, right? It's time to stop being isolated. It start, starts with you. And it starts with me. So let's get going. Let's get that done. Let's get motivated to plug in and plant your flag and, and become the change. To quote Captain Lumber Squatch Greg Burns in the whole Ohio Get Stuff Done crew. So thank you, Daniel. Thank you for sending this, this great story, uh, this great speech for me and uh, for the rest of the audience. If you have a story that you would like shared on Midweek Motivation, feel free to send me an email. Uh, hit me up in the Contact Us uh, page of Small Scale Life or send me an email at realsmallscalelife at gmail.com. Not all of them have to be serious. We like to have a good laugh with Tommy Cakes and enjoy the, enjoy the stories and, and have a little fun with that. And I like doing the character too. So hit me up, send it over, and we'll get it done. 
Thank you for tuning in to Midweek Motivation. Uh, Check out tomorrow. We've got a gardening update coming. Let's talk about planting seeds. And next week, we'll be back on track with Tommy Cakes. So take care, everybody. We'll see you soon. This is Tom from Small Scale Life. Take care.